I'm really excited um, about the series that we're launching today. Um, it's a series we called It's a Match. It's a Match. And uh, we did this because I really felt burdened for relationships. Um, and so that's what I'm going to talk about over the next several weeks is relationships. And, and so, it, it, there, by the way, there is something for everyone um, in this series. So if you are single and ready to mingle... I got something for you. If you are single and you will not mingle, I got something for you. <laughs> if you are dating, <laughs> married, having sex, would like to have sex, have had sex, or ever thought about sex, I got something for you, right? And so I'm going to cover a lot in the next few weeks, and I'm really excited. Um, but the bottom line is this, and this is my burden. Um, my burden is, is that... Um, we, as the church, have fallen into the trap where we are letting culture define how we do relationships. Right? Because, I mean, oh my God. Have you seen the notebook? If I find that guy that will write me a letter every day for 365 days, and I, you, you forgot about it. No, I wrote you a letter. I don't have the letters. Oh, mom gave me the letters. Oh, now I have the letters. Now I love you. Now we can't get together. Now we can't get together. Now I have dementia. Will you move in the nursing home? And you, would you do that for me? And he's like, yes, I would move in the nursing home. Right? Right? And, and we, we have decided to let culture define and determine the, the baseline of relationships, right? Which means, which means this, that most relationships, dating relationships, start in the bedroom. Because every movie we watch is like two minutes into it, and they're into it. I, and and I, have, I have people who are, who are believers, who are Christians, who will tell me, I just could not marry someone I haven't slept with first. And that may be a cultural concept, but that is foreign to God. Yes. Right? Yes. That, that is foreign to God. That, that doesn't, that is not the way he, listen, God is the author of everything you love. Yes. Want me to prove it? God is, I'll go so far. God is an author of everything you party with. Amen. God invented barley and hops. <laughs> he invented corn. And he invented grapes. And he invented all the seed-bearing plants, somebody. He invented relationships, and he invented sex. God is the author of all of those things. And if God is the author of those things, then he must be the authority on those things. Author authority, right? And here's the problem. Once we take creation and we disconnect it from the creator, once we take relationships or we take sex and we dis, I don't know if you know this, God's not a funny to, he wants you to get it on. God wrote Marvin Gaye's Let's get it on. Oh, let's get it on. God wrote that for Adam and Eve, yo. God wants you to have a healthy sex life. 
God made it, God made it good and said it was good. But when you separate, oh, it's going to get worse than that. You better buckle in, cowboy. When you separate creation from the creator, you lose the purpose and it, per, and it becomes perverted. When you separate the creation from the creator, you will always lose. Listen, when you get separated from the creator, you lose your purpose and your life will be perverted. It will be taken to a place it wasn't supposed to go faster than you wanted to go, stuck somewhere you didn't want to be. Are you with me? And so you can, listen, listen, here's, here's, what, here's why I'm doing this. I want to help you. If you're single, I want to help you. If you're married, I want to help you. I want to help you. And the first thing we have to understand is if you run the play of this culture, it will get you exactly what it's gotten you. And you can keep running that play, right? You can keep swiping, right? Over 1.6 billion swipes. Somebody looking for somebody. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in so many faces. Oh, yeah, I, we're going to love songs through the, through the decades. Absolutely. I'm a sucker for you. Say the word and I'll go anywhere. I got a teenage daughter. You don't think I don't know the Jonas Brothers? I may be the fourth Jonas they hadn't found you. Well, I'm not Frankie. I'm the fifth Jonas. But as we get started, before I jump in, I want to give you two relationship myths, two myths that, that, that culture will, will teach you to live by, right? Two myths. Um, the first one is this. Um, the first one is the right person will make it all right. The right person will make everything. This, listen, this is the trap we fall into. If I could just find the right person, the one who cries at the end of the notebook with me. That's my guy. I'll know then. But what's that? I want to find the one who completes me. I want to find the one who just accepts me. I want to find the one. This is really what we're going after. I want to find the one that makes me feel a certain way. Near, far, wherever you are. Rose, there was enough room on the raft. Let Jack on the raft, Rose. <laughs> That's why that's a picture of a real relationship. I love you so much, I'm going to let you freeze and die right there. <laughs> I want the one to just never, I, I, if I find the right one, I'll just feel loved. And you will. For six weeks to 18 months, that's what psychologists tell us. Yeah. For six weeks to 18 months, you're going to feel that way. And then one day, you're going to look at them and realize you've lost that love and feeling. Right? Because it's all chemistry. And you're going to roll over and you're going to need something more. I know you're hooked on a feeling. Right? I know you are. I don't believe in you're in love with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to get on the worship team. This is a big audition. Thank you for being here. But, but, but you're going to be like, I lost that love and feeling. Right? You're going to be Tom Cruise in it. In Top Gun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Baby, baby, I get down on my knees for you. Right? And in this dream, because we're looking, look at, we're looking for somebody that, that I don't have to change for, that just loves me the way that I am, that just makes me feel. Let me, let me help you with the statement, they make me feel loved. They make me feel accepted. They make me feel valuable. There is a term for that. It is called codependency. It is unhealthy to attach your sense of self to someone else and let that person become the governor of who you think you are and how you feel about you is called codependency. And we have a culture that's trying to be codependent until they're not anymore. So so here's the truth. Well, if I can't find the right person, what's the truth? Let me give you the truth. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. The, The truth is you would need to focus on becoming the right person. You need to focus on becoming. Here, here's the second myth. Let me give you this. The second myth, this is one I love as a pastor. Saying I do will undo. <laughs> Saying I do. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is the one I got. Like, like when I find the one, right? And they were the right person until they were the wrong person. And then I had to find the other right person until they were the wrong person. And there are married people in this room still looking for the right person because you think you married the wrong person. Because you thought you could find the right person and then you thought if you found the right person, if I just say I do, it will undo everything I did before I met them. Because see, here's the thing. You are now living in your present which will become your past. And let me help you with something. When you get married, your, your present that became your past will show up in your future. And you're just thinking, no, no, no. If I marry the right person, I won't be insecure anymore. And if I marry the right person, I'll feel better about me all the time. L- listen, you should not date if you have any of these thoughts. Because one rejection and you'll be in the bar, two fists in it. Oh, y'all don't want to be real. Y'all want a little churchy, like, just love everybody? I thought I'd just get down to where we really live. Right? But, but this is what we think. Oh, man, when I find the right person, I'll stop looking at porn. When I find the right person, I won't go binge shopping anymore, and I won't be $50,000 in credit card debt. I'll just, it'll just cure itself when I find the right person. And we get married, and we have the feelings for six weeks to 18 months, and then we come home to find out we don't have marriage problems. We had single people problems that got married, and he's still looking at porn, and she's still $50,000 in credit card debt, and now we're fighting all the time because we're no longer hooked on a feeling And so we just think, we just think, oh, if I say I do, and if they say I do, they'll just commit to me. Yeah, I know they've been running around. I know he's been cheating. I know he's been struggling. But once he says I do to me, he'll be able to. She'll be able to. Let me help you with something. Saying I do makes you accountable. It does not make you capable. And let me help you something else. When you are accountable to be a husband or wife, but you are not capable to be committed, you are miserable. So here's the truth. Can I help you with something else? Can I help you with truth? The truth is, if you're not married today, today's the day you commit to your spouse, even if you don't know them. 
I want to do a message called Things I've Never Heard as a Pastor. One of the things I've never heard is, man, I wish I'd hooked up with more people before I found my wife. I've never heard that. I wish I'd looked at more porn before I got married. Never heard that. I wish I'd clubbed more before I finally decided those are things I've never heard. The way, listen, listen, the way you get this thing started right is you get committed today for the person you're going to marry that you haven't met yet. And if you're in a marriage, stop looking for the right one, become the right one and commit today to be the right one. All right, we're warmed up now. Warmed up now. Genesis 29, turn there with me. And we're going to dive into this together. Oh, it's going to be good. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be good. Look at him and say, I may not like it, but I need it. Tell him that. Tell him I may not like it, but I need it. And tell him you may not like it, but you're not going anywhere. We're going to, we're going to endure it together. Genesis 29, this is the story of Jacob. So Abraham, the artist formerly known as Abram, God changed his name to Abraham, had a son named Isaac. Isaac had twins named Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest. Jacob deceived him in a way. Well, he bought his birthright for some soup. That's a whole nother sermon about how your desires can cost you your purpose, but I don't have time to preach that. And so... And so then Jacob deceives his dad and gets the blessing of the firstborn. Then Esau, who was a good hunter, says, I'm going to kill you. So Jacob did a sweet brown and ran for his life. Didn't get no shoes or nothing, Jesus. And so he is going north to Uncle Laban's house. In Genesis 28 is when Jacob has the iconic, if you will, encounter with God where he sees angels and and God speaks to him and he has this amazing encounter with God. And then in verse 29, he gets to Laban's house and he meets Rachel, one of Laban's daughter, his second daughter, second born daughter, and he just falls in love. Fall in love. Next time I fall. In love. Anyways. I'm sorry, y'all. I like music. And I listen to all kinds of music. And I like, your boy loves love songs. I do. It gets me in the feels. I mean, I'm a big boy. I got a big heart. I'm sensitive. So it says, while he was still talking to them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. And when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Guys, it is not new. It is not new to display your strength when you're trying to pick up somebody like, oh, I'm sorry. Let me just get this drink of water right here. Let me move this chair. Anyways, all right. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. She likes her a sensitive man. That's how you pick up people in the Old Testament. Give them a kiss and then just start crying. First time you meet them. Ah! He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father's son, Rebekah. And so she ran and told her father. And as soon as Laban heard about the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. And he embraced him and he kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. And then Laban said, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you not, should, should you not be paid? Should you work for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah 
And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. Time out. That's, that's Bible talk for she had a good personality. <laughs> but I'm just trying to help you with the narrative. I'm just... She had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure. She made it go boom, boom. And was, was your young... And was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years if I can marry Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some strange man stay here. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Brother's like, I can't write one song that's not about you. Can't drink without think. Because everything means nothing if I can't have you. Um, I call this message before and after. Before and after. Let, let me pray for us. Um, God, we, we acknowledge that you are king. God, help us to learn from you, to hear from you, God, so that we live our lives for you. God, help us to find that place of surrender so that everything you have purposed and destined for our lives is, is not in any way impeded, but God, your purpose, your destiny, your plan comes through our lives, and that pertains, God, to our relationships, to our sex, to our marriages, God, to everything. So God, in this moment, meet, speak, help us to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I, want, I want to give you three characteristics of lasting relationships from this text. Um, three characteristics. You may want to write these down. The first one is this, that lasting relationships are built on surrender and not sensation. They're built on surrender and not sensation. I mean, we, we, are, we are hooked on a feeling and, and we want the person, we want the chemistry and that, that person, that guy walks into the room and, and he has those dreamy eyes and, and she walks by and, and her perfume smells and there is that chemistry and we want, oh, we want that chemistry. And let me help you this. You should have that chemistry. That, that is helpful, but that is not what makes a lasting relationship because you can have chemistry with more than one person. And chemistry can, can, can come and go. Sensations can come and go. How you feel can come and go. You want something that actually lasts. Remember, you can keep doing it culture's way, or you could try something that worked, right? And culture will tell you, oh, for, you know, they, the moment they walked in the bar, I knew. I knew she was mine, right? The moment he came in, like you're in the Mexican food restaurant, and you're trying to order some tacos, and you're into your chips and salsa, and no, you don't have to pray before your chips and salsa. You just need to make sure you pray before your entrees, just if you're wondering. I am mid-chip. Some people are pre-chip. Some people are post-chip. Some people are post-meal. I'm mid-meal. Like right after the chips, we need to pray. And she walks in, and, and he's thinking, oh my and she just kind of glances and flips her hair. And he's like, she's the one. I feel it. He finally works up enough guacamole. Throws back a margarita. Has enough salsa that he walks over. Sup? 
my name's Johnny. And she looks at him and says, no hablo inglés. And it's over right there. It's over. And he's like, God, why would you do this to me? Because we're all hooked on a feeling. We want, we want a sensation. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. Like in Genesis 29, we see Jacob about to enter into, he is preparing to enter into his marriage. But, but the story of what prepares him to enter into this marriage, does, we don't find that in Genesis 29. We find that in Genesis 28. Because in Genesis 28 is where Jacob has, has an encounter with God that changes his life. He has an encounter with God. Let me show you. In verse, Genesis 28, verse 20, then Jacob made this vow. And he said, if God, if you'll be with me and protect me on this journey and you'll provide for me. And if I return safely to my father's home, look, then the Lord will be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping. And I will present God a tenth of everything. Hold up. Do you just see what he said? He said, I built an altar. I'm going to be a worshiper and I'm going to be a tither. Now, here's why that's important to me, because those are issues of the heart. Worship, let me help you. If you are looking for somebody, find you a worshiper and a tither. Let me tell you why. Because they're both, listen, you can attend church and never get your heart involved. You can listen to Kanye's album and never get your heart involved. Jesus is king. Come on, come on, somebody. You can do that. But when you start really worshiping, I'm not talking about sitting in a worship service. Like if you bring somebody to church that you're thinking about dating, you ought to watch them during worship. Because if they're on their phone, drinking their coffee, looking around, staring at the lights, you need to put the brakes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you something else. Find a tither. That'd be the question I'd ask, ladies, before I go on a date with him. Do you tithe? Somebody asked me, what's the first question you're going to ask Mariah's wannabe dater? I said, I'm going to ask them if they tithe. They said, why? I said, because if they'll rob from God, they'll rob from my baby and they'll rob from my family. And before I trust him with her heart, I want to know God's got his heart. Jesus said, where your money is, there, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart is tied to your treasure. I want somebody that's surrendered. Because listen, if they haven't surrendered their money, they haven't surrendered their heart. Are you with me? I'm sorry, but your boy's preaching good and you weren't ready for it, but it's coming at you. I want to find somebody. Listen, listen, listen. This is what I'm, this is what I'm telling you. If, if they have not put their heart in God's hands, you better not put your heart in their hands. So the question, this, when I used to do marriage counseling, I don't do it anymore. It frustrates me because people don't do what you tell them. And I know I'm supposed to ask questions so you figure it out, but I'm impatient. And so I'm not a good counselor because I don't have time to wait on your epiphany. I'm going to give you one. <laughs> right? Lay hands on you suddenly. Stop being a jerk, sir. Stop nagging him to death, woman. But so I don't have time for all that. How does this make you feel? And could I somehow guide you? to? No, no, shut up. Don't say that. That's dumb. What were you thinking? You're married? Get out of the club, idiot. Okay, so anyways, um, 
But the question I would always start with is this, not how committed to each other are you? I'd always say, how committed to God are you? Here's the thing. They will not be more committed to you than they are to God. Ladies, let me help you. All my single ladies, all my single ladies. Let me help you with this. He will not honor you more than he honors God. He won't. I'm sorry. Like you're looking for someone who's going to honor and cherish. You're looking for someone that's going to be committed to you. The best way you can see that is what's his relationship with God look like. So pastor, are you saying that I could only date Christians? No. Does that shock you? No. Because anybody can get on Christian mingle. I'm saying you can only date someone whose heart has been set on fire by the Holy Spirit, who is madly in love with Jesus and who will follow God to their own discomfort and pain. That's who I'm saying you ought to date. You don't have to be a farmer to be on Farmers Only and you don't have to be a Christian to be on Christian Mingle. You don't have to be lonely. That one scares me every time. I'm sorry. If you're on there, that's face your business. It scares me. I'm like, it's crazy. Anyways. Is it really important, Pastor? Is that really, is that really important that they be a Christian too? Is that really important? Well, according to the Word of God, it is. Uh, Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 6.14. He said, don't become partners. Now watch this. Don't become partners with those who reject God. Well, they're not rejecting God. They're not an atheist. How do you know? Listen, I've been a pastor um, longer than I've been married. I've been married 18 years. I've been a pastor over 20. Um, I've seen a lot of players play the Christian game. I was a single adult pastor and a student pastor and a big people pastor. The rest of the adults, I pastored everybody. And, 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 and I'm saying you want the person whose heart has been set on fire by God. That, that's the one that's safest for you. Listen, this is what Paul said. Don't become partners with those that reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness? But look at this. Look at this that's not a partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? I have counseled the couples where one's a believer and one's not. And I can tell you Paul's right. It is a war. Because your faith informs all of your decisions. If you're really a person of faith, now I'm not talking about if you're playing the game, but if you're really a person of faith, faith informs how you spend your time. Faith informs what you do with your life. Faith informs how you spend your money. Faith informs your values, your decisions, how you raise your kids. Faith drives all of that, motivates, prompts all of that. And when you have someone in, their, in, in a marriage and they're trying to make decisions based on faith as informative, based on faith as motivating, and you have another person that does not value that, then it's like, it's a war. So pastor, what if I'm dating someone that's not a Christian? Break up. Let me help you. No, you don't have to do it. We'll both find out in the end, or you could trust me. Break up. But he is so close to getting saved. Let me help you with this. God is a loving father, and a loving father will never use one of his daughters as bait for someone else's salvation. 
Boy, I came ready today. He will not use his son as bait to see if someone else can come. Listen, if you want to know how real they are, break up and see if they still go to church. Break up and see if they're still listening to Kanye Jesus as king or they've gone back to Jay-Z. Just trying to help you. And by the way, if you're married, you're like, well, I'm married. I'm already married. I'm already married. And, and let's just say, first of all, if you're married, then be the one that's committed. Give up on the notion that there's somebody else and, and recommit to your relationship. Emotion follows motion. Get in motion. Take her on a date. Buy her some flowers. Stop nagging him and telling him he looks good. Listen, we're dumb. We'll believe it. Straight up, we walk into the bathroom, right? We get out of the shower dripping, hair, right? Belly sticking out, walking around. You look in there and say, oh, honey, you still got it. He'll believe you. All of a sudden, you'll see it. He'll suck this in and stick this out. Transformation. Oh, yeah, I knew I still had it. That's all right. Just more awesomeness than there was before. He'll believe it. I don't have the time to teach this, but let me tell you, Paul gives you the secret. This is in a book called Love and Respect. You might want to write that down. By the way, we'll be releasing resources. And, and guys, put that slide up. I'm going, to do, I'm going to answer questions live. I wanted to answer questions live. So October the 30th on Facebook Live, November the 6th, November the 20th, all those are Wednesdays um, at, at 1 p.m. On, on social media. I'm going to answer all your questions. You can submit them. So make sure you're following my social media or the church's social media because I want to answer your questions, but I can't do it. But let, let, me, let me help you. We're also going to provide resources. But let me help you with this, this real quick. Women, your, your man speaks a language of respect. You speak a language of love and they're not the same. Okay? And, and, and I've had to sit, I had to sit down with a wife one time and explain this because she was all the time telling him what he wasn't. If you would just, if you would just take the trash out, if you would just take me on a date, if you would just play with the children, if you would just make more money, if you would just, if you would just, if you would just, if you would just, if you would just... I can't respect you because you're just not respectable. Okay, women, let me help you with what you just said to him. I'm going to put it in your language. I don't love you. There's no way I could love you. And I probably never will love you. Because his first language is not love. It's respect. That's why Paul said, wives, see to it. You respect your husbands. Husbands, make sure you love your wives. That's not the verse, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm ad-libbing right now. I'm just making this up. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> not that. I'm not making that up. I'm just saying it's not in my notes. Not in my notes. And so, but, but this is what you need to know. So how do you talk to a man? Even if you don't like him, you say, honey, you are such a good provider. I'm so glad you work hard. Well, if he doesn't have a job, honey, I know you're going to get a great job. You're a good provider. I know you love our family. You speak a language of honor and respect and he'll respond. Men, if she's nagging and she doesn't fix her hair anymore, right? Because we all know on the honeymoon, they used to get out of bed early and brush their teeth and brush their hair and put a little powder on and then get back in bed and act like they're sleeping beauty. Oh, I just woke up this way. That's what they did on the honeymoon. Girls, you know you did it. Right? And now they don't do that anymore. 
No. That hair, they've been tossing and turning that hairs everywhere. It looked like Chewbacca's next to you. <laughs> ah. But it was. Same thing, husbands. We used to put deodorant on and brush our teeth before we wanted to get it on. Now we come in stinking, stinky breath and expect her to be excited. It, 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 it changes. But here's the thing you do, guys. You speak a language. Honey, I love you. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're awesome. I see you. You, you speak a language of love. The problem is husbands will want to speak a language of respect to their wives and wives will want to speak a language of love. And you keep telling your husband, I don't respect you, but I love you. He doesn't understand that. That's very conflicting. It would be like him saying, honey, I respect you, but I don't love you. <gasps> That's what he's doing on the inside. Are you with me? I don't, it's a great book, Love and Respect. You could get it. It's not the message, but it could help you. <laughs> So what if I'm married to an unbeliever? Let me give you two scriptures and you'd write these down. Married to an unbeliever. Number one, don't get a divorce, right? You, you don't solve things by tearing them up worse. Okay. First Peter 3, 1 says, wives in the same way submit to your husband. How can I submit to an unbeliever? Because the word of God says to honor God. How committed to God are you? Because your commitment to God is seen in how you surrender to your husband, submit to your husband. In the same way, submit yourselves to your husband. If any of them do not believe the word, so if they're unbelievers, through you, through you being under God and under them, submitted to them, they will be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Notice it says behavior, not words. Let me help you women. You are not your husband's Holy Spirit. I know you feel like sometimes you are because you know better, right? Because the way you are, you have a perspective. I just feel if he would just, okay, sh sh let me help you. Go talk to God about it. Let God talk to him about it. All right, okay, here's the second thing. Husbands, I'm married to an unbeliever. Husbands, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Love her. So wives, respect him into the kingdom. Husbands, love her into the kingdom. Second thing, write this down. Lasting relationships are driven by purpose, not by passion. Oh, we want passion. Oh, I love passion. And every movie shows us passion because they meet at the bar or at the restaurant or on the subway or in Central Park. And in five minutes, they are deep in the throes of passion. But now here's the problem. The relationship can't be covered by God because it's already been under the covers of your own desires. And that passion lasts, how long does it last? Six weeks to 18 months, says most psychologists. And then we've lost the love and feeling again. And we got to go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> you know you want to sing it. <laughs> Let me help you with this. Purpose is what, is what lasting relationships are built on. Not passion. Passion comes and goes. Where are my married people at? Help me, married people. Passion. Now, husbands, you don't answer. We're going to let the wife, because I'm not going to get you in trouble. I'm not going to do that. But the wives will answer. Passion comes and goes, doesn't it? 
Right? We, we think we fall in love and we fall out of love. No, 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 that's all emotion. And love is not emotion, it's a choice. How do I know? Because God commanded us to love. He can't command emotion, but he can command decisions. So passion comes and goes. So we can't build a relationship on, on passion because we'll be there again. I found the right person. All this passion. Oh, they must be the wrong person. I lost the love and feeling. Oh, I found the right person. Oh, they're the wrong person. Oh, I found the right person. And here we go with what doesn't work. You can't build a relationship on passion alone. You need something. Listen, sex is great, but, but the amount of time you... I'm going to help my single people and you married people help me out. The amount of time you actually spend having sex is a very small amount of time of your relationship. Let's just be honest. Nobody wants to say amen you're born on that, do you? <laughs> Every man in here was thinking, oh, I wish it was more, but that's all there was in there. <laughs> I know Justin Bieber said you can argue all day and make love all night, but that is not what happens. <laughs> Both of those sound exhausting to me. Like I'm all, I'm all about, I'm not really about arguing. The only reason I argue is makeup sex is great, but um, <laughs> like I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. And, and if Julie wants to fight, eventually I'll fight if we're going to have makeup sex. Otherwise I'm not involved in no fight. <laughs> it ain't worth it. The only thing better than makeup sex is sex. Praise the Lord. Anyways, and baby, if you're watching on live stream right now, I'm sorry. And so anyways, but purpose is what you build. Look at this. Um, this is Jacob, um, Genesis 28, 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord and, and the God of Abraham, your father. And look, this is verse 28 in his encounter with God. And then look what it says. The land on which I which you lie, where he was laying down, I will give you and your offspring. Now, I, re I read that verse because land is always symbolic of covenant with God. And so God is making that covenant. He is inviting him into covenant, which is promise, which is purpose, right? So God is inviting him into purpose. So before Jacob was ready for, for, for Rachel, he had to have an encounter with God and he had to identify his purpose. Now, why do you need to know your purpose? Because your purpose filters your relationships. Yeah. Right? Your purpose, because I don't know who I need to marry if I don't know who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, Are you with me? And so, so listen, and listen, I live this one. I was 20, my single young adult years were not in a club. They were in a church. I was a pastor. I was single, 21, 22 years old, single as a pastor. You want to cut down on your dating possibilities? Like we have single uh, people that work at our church and I always tell them, you know, this is, I don't know where your dating life is, but this is going to affect it because not everybody wants to date someone that works at a church. Like I remember one time after church, we went out with some friends and we were at Chili's and man, this girl was hitting on me. And I know cause it never happens. And, and so I'm like, Oh, this is that thing y'all talked about. And I mean, she is just hitting on me. I'm 20, I was single, 21, 22 years. I was a pastor and she is just working. it. And I'm like, Oh man. And then I started laughing. And one of my friends said, what are you laughing at? I said, 
Because in a minute, I'm going to tell her what I do. And let's see if she's still working it out. She's trying to holler at you, boy, right now, but she's about to be gone in 60 seconds. Are you with me? <laughs> so sure enough, she comes by. I start saying, hey, you know, tell you. So you work here. Yeah, talking. You know, I mean, we're, we're almost to the end of the meal. And I mean, the whole time, I mean, my glass never got below half empty. Best service I ever got at a restaurant. And I finally, she finally said, well, what, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'll be right back. Never saw her again. Another waitress brought me my check. Are you with me? Because, I mean, when you're, when, you're working at, when you're single working at church, you got, you got less. I mean, it, it narrows the field. Your pickup lines are now Christian pickup lines. Like, <laughs> like you must be made of water. Because Jesus done turned you into fine. <laughs> girl, your name must be Faith because you're the substance of things I've been hoping for, girl. I know now why Solomon only has 700 wives because he never met you. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're breaking Old Testament law because you are working on the Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just doesn't work. They're just dumb. Don't use one boy. One, there's a guy back there right now working it on the Sabbath. That's a good line. <laughs> let, me, let me help you, bro. Don't use that. Don't do it. Save yourself some heartache, my friend. And water, Jesus turned you into fine. I like this. And I hadn't written down anything. The whole message was taking those down. You can get them on Google. But, but listen. Listen, marriage, marriage is, a, is, a, is a commitment that's better grounded on purpose than passion. It's better founded on purpose than passion. Let me, let me show you this. Um, so, so when we, see, um, when we see Jacob in verse 28, remember I said, God said, here's your land. There's his purpose, right? But what about Rachel? Because I want to show you this too, ladies, because I, let me tell you one thing I do not like. I do not like the idea, women, that you need a man before you can find purpose. That you need a man to jump into your calling. I don't like it. That's not the way God made you. God gave you just as much purpose as any man. He has called you just as much as a man. I understand the relational dynamics that if you're a wife, you need to be submitted to your man to walk in your calling. That's biblical. But, but, but you don't have to have a man to have a calling. Are you, are you with me? <clears throat> because here's what I like about Rachel. Genesis 29.9, it says she was a shepherdess. Look, look, she came with her father. She was already serving her father in the purpose and calling and plan that he had for her. Do you see the picture there? That before she had a man, she had a purpose. That before she had a man, God, her father had a calling on her. So it works for guys and it works for girls because here's the thing. You want a relationship. Listen, you don't want, listen, you, you're not looking for someone to complete you. You're looking for someone to compliment you. Are you with me? And, and so that's, that's what you're wanting. You're wanting someone to compliment you and your purpose and your calling. So one of your conversations before you get all hot and heavy, before it turns physical, before we're kissing and smooching and all those things. Smooch is old school for mugging down. Mugging down is old school for making out. Okay, I'm just trying to catch all the generations. 
But before you get to that place, you ought to be having the conversation like, hey, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What's God called you to? Like before I date. And listen, if, if you're in a marriage right now, commit your marriage to the purpose of God. Th this may shock you, but when, when we get to the garden, let, let, me, let me show you this real quickly. When, when we get to the, to the garden of Eden in, in Genesis um, chapter one, or chapter two, and it's kind of hard because chapter two and chapter one kind of go back and forth. But look at this. So when God had just made Adam is the point, Genesis 2, 15, it says, the Lord took Adam and put him in the garden to, to work and keep it. In other words, before there was Eve, Adam had a purpose. But then God creates Eve. Now I want to show you this in, in Genesis 1:27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. So God creates man and woman. And then God blessed them and be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over it. Do you see that? That, that God created them to complement each other. But look at this. God made relationships on purpose for purpose. God is purpose-driven in everything. God has a purpose for relationships. God has a purpose for marriage. Listen, if you're struggling in your marriage, find the purpose for it. Because the main reason, I'm going to tell you, the, 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 the number one reason Julie and I are married is not for passion or sensation or even happiness necessarily. The main reason that we're married is because of the purpose of God. That God has created us and God has called us and God has brought us is the purpose of God. Listen, once you separate it from God, once you separate your marriage from God, you can justify anything. Once you separate creation from creator, it can get, it can get perverted. By the way, once you separate your sex from God, you can justify a lot of things. But God, you know what? He made your sex for a reason. He made your sexuality for a purpose because what God gets out of all of this is a family that comes through us. Yeah. Are you with me? It all comes back to God. Yeah. And so we have to live on purpose. Here's the third thing, and I'll hurry. Lasting relationships are based in reality and not in fantasy. Fantasy is the focus, it's the opposite of reality. Fantasy is actually the focus of things that are not real. So when, because, and think about this girl, I mean, watch a Disney movie. That ain't real. It's not real. I know he says he's going to show you a whole new world, but it's going to be the same one when you get back from the honeymoon. A whole new world, don't you dare close your eyes. And you get back and you're closing your eyes because this world looks worse than the first one. Brother got lost on the carpet. You want it based, you want based in reality. And so many times when we, most of the time our fantasy is about who that other person's going to be and about how they're going to make us feel. And so our fantasy is fixed on something. Oh, they're going to be this way. He's going to be my knight in shining armor. He's going to rescue me. Yeah, but here's the problem. Now we're going to have a, re a relationship where he's always the rescuer and you're all the, always the victim. And you got to be the victim so someone will come rescue you. And they got to rescue. We call this codependency, by the way. And, and now after a while, he gets tired of rescuing you. He, he's like, can't you just solve it yourself? Like, can't you do anything yourself? And you're like, you just don't care. And now your rescuer has become the person hurting you and now you're persecuting your rescuer 
By the way, this is a relational triangle, persecution, rescue, victim, right? And, and, so, and so now all of a sudden you get tired of rescuing her. You get tired of him not rescuing you because he's been rescuing. And, and now all of a sudden, I, it's, I don't like it anymore. It doesn't work for me anymore. Because you built this relationship on some fantasy which is not actually real. It's, it's a fan, like a lot of times when I, when I talk to couples who are about to get married, they're the funnest ones to talk to. Like if they've never been married and they're about to get married, bless their heart. Because I say, tell me about this. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Oh my gosh. He's going to write me love songs. He's going to send me flowers. And when I walk in the room, he's probably going to cry. And, and he's all like, yeah, when I come home, she's going to have my meal ready. She's going to initiate sex every night. It's going to be awesome. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. And I say, well, now that we've talked about ideal, let's talk about what's real. And then we have a conversation about reality. Not to be bad, not to be hating on marriage. I love marriage. But, but we have a conversation about what really goes on and how life really happens. Right? And, and so we have to, we can't be, listen, fantasy is always focused on that other person and how they're going to make me feel. Reality is focused on who I am today and what I have to work with. Because you cannot be in denial about who you are and be in reality about who you should be with. Oh, that was good. <laughs> right? Because if you are the wrong person, you will attract the wrong person. Oh, it's the truth. A codependent person will at attract the other side of the codependent person. Right? A rageaholic, attract a victim. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, you know, and that's the thing. You're like, all these guys that I keep attracting, they just want one thing. Okay, put some clothes on. Go fishing with something else. They're just always wanting, okay, yeah, but look how you're dressed. I mean, if you're not giving it away, close the door to the candy store. Guys are visually stimulated. You know what you're doing because there's brokenness inside of you that you would rather have perverted attention than no attention at all. That's why you dress the way you dress and, they and you attract what you attract. And then at the end, you don't like it anymore because they were just after me for one thing. But that one thing made you feel like something for a short time and you just do it again. My God, I'm preaching. I wish you'd help me out. And the cycle continues, right? You want to be the rescuer. She's the victim. You're always rescuing. The cycle can, continues. Everybody I find is controlling, manipulative. The cycle continues. Let me help you. Let me help you. It's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. Because the wrong person will always attract the wrong person. Are you with Andy Stanley said this. I love this quote by Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley said, become the kind of person the person you are looking for is looking for. Become the kind of person the person you're looking for is looking. Now, I'm not talking about being fake. I'm not talking about catfishing, sliding into somebody's DMs. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. 
fake profiles and pretending to be. No, 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 no. I'm talking about becoming, investing yourself. Be committed today for the relationship you want to have tomorrow. That's why I call this before and after. These things will work whether you're in a relationship or not. Whether you're in a marriage or not. If you do these things, they will work. Be committed today for the marriage you want to have tomorrow. For the relationship you want to have tomorrow, make the commitment today. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to sleep with anybody else until I'm married. I'm I'm not going to go to these places and I'm not going to swipe this way and I'm not going to do this thing. I'm going to get committed to God. I'm going to be honest about my issues. Let me help you with what fantasy is. Fantasy is thinking you can have everything you want without investing everything that you are. That's what fantasy is. And so you decide, hey, today I'm going to make that commitment. Today I'm going to commit to my relationship. Whether I'm in one or not, I'm going to commit to it today. I'm going to live out God's purpose and plan today. I'm going to be, listen, if you're dating someone and they cannot tell you their issues, run. Because if they are not self-aware enough to know what they struggle with, you're going to run into it and they're going to deny it. I'm held, I, things that I wish people would have told me a long time ago. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you today. Like that's one of the first conversations before anybody kisses anybody, before there's too, too far to go. One thing I'm going to be asking is, so tell me your strengths and weaknesses. Well, I don't have any weaknesses. Next. <laughs> hey, it's good to find out that before you sleep with them. Because then breaking up's a lot easier. Tell me, what are your issues? Listen, if he can't tell you, you know, truthfully, I'm, um, I struggle with anger. And man, when I get tripped, I just go straight to anger. Something I'm working on, working through, praying about. All right, now that's a guy I may not go into a relationship with, but I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm gonna let him and Jesus work it out. If she's sitting there saying, you know, I'm insecure and I can become a little bit possessive and it's something I'm working on. I just get insecure. And if other, and you're like, oh, that doesn't matter to me. She's going to be blowing up your phone. And if you didn't respond to her text in two minutes, she's going to be calling you. And if you didn't respond in two minutes to the call, she's going to show up at your apartment. All right. This is things you needed to know before you went too far. Like they need to be able to tell you what their issues are that they are working through because if they don't know their issues, you will find them out for them, but they will deny them. Are you with me? All right, I got to finish. So I'm not talking about being fake. I'm talking about being your true self. This is why, listen, get in the church. Find a life group. Go to a freedom life group. Go to a women's life group. Go to a men's life group. Go to a marriage on the rock life group. Go to financial peace life group. Find a life group. Join a serve team. Find your purpose. These are the things you do if you're ready to commit to the person you want to become so you can find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. This is the stuff you do. You become, this is what Proverbs, the wisest man who ever lived, Proverbs 24, 27 says, do your planning and prepare your fields before you build your house. You see that? By the way, the reference to build your house is symbolic of marriage. But here's what he says, plan, prepare, then build, listen, you don't build a house and then hope you have a harvest of good grain. Right? Like you don't live your life, hello, sowing your wild oats and expect to have a house full of grain and food and substance and sustenance and love. 
No, here's what he said. He said, if you build the house before you've, look, he said, plan. In other words, what do I have to work with and what do I need to do? Prepare, sow the right kind of seeds for the harvest I want to have. Then what? Then I can build my house and there'll be food in my house and it will be warm and it will be a place of love. But I got to do the work here to get to here. Are you with me? We do it backwards. We sleep together, then try to enter into a marriage and then hope there's a harvest of some kind. And we get a harvest, but it's not what we were hoping for. Pastor, I'm married. What what do I do? Because here's the truth. You go, here's what Jacob did. When he got ready to get to marriage, before he married, he worked for seven years. He committed, look at this. For seven years, he was committed to the marriage he was going to have. Now, here's the bad thing. The player got played because, and we'll talk about this um, next week, but it's after the night they get married, he sleeps with her and then rolls over and realizes, you're not Jacob, you're Leah. Boom, boom, boom. We'll talk about that next week. Because he slept with the wrong person. The good party. And the player got played. Isn't it interesting that they were like, oh, that's not fair. But you remember Jacob had sown a lifestyle of play in others. And we think marriage will fix the seeds we've already planted. I do will undo. Wow, this is good. Right? But here's the thing. When, When married people, when he woke up and realized who he had married, who he was married to, wasn't the marriage he wanted. He went back to work. And he worked seven more years to get the marriage that he wanted. All my married people, all my married people, if you don't have today what you were hoping for, let me help you go back to work. Why don't you stand with me?